Hi, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, home of NARC Troopers. Visit my website and you will find all kinds of goodies that will help you on your recovery journey. Today's topic is, are you neurodivergent or neurotypical? <clears throat> Please forgive my voice today. I've had COVID all week. Yeah, and it was rough. Let me tell you, four days of fever, sort of around about 102 fever for four days in a row. Um, I think it kind of cooked my brain, and my voice is not back 100%. So if I sound a little funny, that's why uh, I, I have had COVID. This is day six first day that I have felt like I was even capable of talking to you guys at all, but here we go. Um, are you neurodivergent or neurotypical? How does the condition of your brain impact your life? So first of all, neurodiversity is sort of like, um, and I don't know, I'm not familiar with these terms from the past. This is sort of like new learning for me. Uh, and I think sometime around the new millennium, maybe 1998 or 1999, a sociologist named Judy Singer coined a new word to describe conditions such as ADHD, autism, and dyslexia in hopes of rebranding them in a more favorable light. This word was neurodiversity. So it has been around for a little while, although I must say I haven't really heard it used very much. But her, anyway, her objective was to shift the focus of discourse about ways to remove labels and attempt to group conditions more gently, thus moving away from the usual litany of terms like deficits, cognitive deficits, or disorders, or impairments. And to kind of put a little different, more positive spin on it, they're neurodivergent. Now, what has resulted um, or grown from this into a more politically correct way of speaking about, about all people who are textbook <clears throat> um you know, who are not textbook, normal, average, healthy people. They have something. They have something that is not uh, normal, average, or healthy. It rejects the notion that people with certain conditions are, are deviant from the norm. So the intention remains the same, even after all these years later. What is that? 12, 13, 14 years later from the original coining of the word still has the same intention, but it has a broader uh, application than it initially did. So, um, you know, these, this is, um, you know, it rejects the notion that people with certain conditions are deviant from some norm and neurodiversity, this word neurodiversity is an approach to disability that posits that Diverse neurological conditions are a result of normal variations of the human genome.
this neurological diversity was a challenge to prevailing views of the time before this period when she first came up with this around the year 2000 that defined neurological diversity as inherently pathological. The new way of categorizing disorders asserted that neurological differences should be recognized and respected as a social category on par with gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, and disability status. Neurodiversity can best be described as the diversity of human brains and minds, the infinite variation in neurocognitive functioning within our species. Pretty cool, huh? We're, we're rebranding. I think that's what, what's happening here. I think we're rebranding. <clears throat> so, neurodiversity advocates promote uh, advocates, <laughs> sorry, advocates promote support systems such as inclusion, accommodations, assistive technologies, occupational training, and independent living arrangements that allow those who are neurodivergent to live their lives as they are, rather than being forced to adopt the accepted ideas of what is normal um, or to conform to some clinical idea. They are allowed to embrace their, the, the way that they are neurodivergent. You know, just let your um, individuality shine. So if that's neurodivergent, anything that steps away, a departure from what is normal, healthy, average status quo person, then what is neurotypical? A neuro, neurotypical person is a descriptor that refers to someone who has the brain functions, behaviors, and processing that is considered standard or typical. These people are a lot of times called NTs for neurotypical NTs. And these healthy brains are capable of performing all the healthy functions that a person can perform. An NT is the opposite of a neurodivergent. Divergent means to step away from, but neurotypical is your average status quo. Neurotypical means being neurologically, um, I don't want to use the word average. I'm going to say typical again. Within, um, okay, so within an average range for human neurology. So average, typical, you get the picture. Neurotypicals or NTs can generally navigate complex social situations, have good communication skills, establish social connections like friendships and function in challenging settings without becoming overloaded. They can build successful relationships both at work and at home, self-manage their impulses, boundaries, and emotions, and experience healthy attachment styles. Um, that's something a lot of us need to work on. The term originated <coughs> in the autistic community, as we mentioned earlier, back in the turn of the, turn of the millennia, as a way to refer to non-autistic people. And it's used to describe a person whose neurological development are typical conforming to the idea of normal. 
some mental health professionals struggle with the idea of neurotypical and believe it to be a dubious construct because there is nobody who could be considered truly neurotypical. Like, what is that? What is average? What is normal? That's sort of a moving target, isn't it? It's pretty fluid. What is normal? I guess it also depends on who you ask. You know, there was no such standard for the human brain since everyone has different kinds of character flaws and neuroses and intermittent bouts with things like depression and all that. So it's difficult to ascertain when a healthy dose of narcissism becomes a malignant disorder that interrupts and prevents the healthy functioning of that individual. And that's how you know that it is, it is a disorder and not just a character trait that everybody has is when it interrupts and prevents the healthy functioning of that individual. And it interrupts and prevents healthy relationships with the world and with any kind of um, friend, family member, and especially with their significant other partners that they cycled through. You know, not all narcissists cycle through their partners rapidly. If they have one who is good supply or fuel who will be parentified and function as their mother or father in the case of a female narcissist, if they find that person who is willing to fulfill that role and never question them and go along with everything and play their part without protest, you know, those kinds of um, relationships could go on for decades, absolutely for decades. So um, it just really depends on whether they find the right person to um, meet their needs as malignant narcissists. Um, They know when they've got it good. They know when their needs are being met. Um, Anyway, um, so everybody has something going on. So what is normal? We have to really think about that. Sometimes that's problematic because uh, it's just kind of a blurry line between that. And that means it's also sometimes a blurry line line when narcissism becomes malignant, becomes a malignant disorder. Sometimes there's no like definitive marker to say, okay, this is the line we're drawing. If you do this, this, and this, it's just a character flaw that's common. If you do that, that, and that, now that is a um, disorder. It's, it's interrupting your life and it's an impairment. It's a character deficit. It's like a lot of other things that are way more serious. Okay, so let's go back and talk about neurodivergent again. Neurodivergent means that they're, um, well, that they're, neurodiversity is everything. Neurotypical is like average and normal. Um, And so neurodivergent means that there's something um, atypical abnormal or extreme. And there's many different ways you can, that this can manifest ranging from things that are mild, uh, that some people might not even notice to things that are more significant about a way that a person could behave or function in society. What once was a term used to describe, uh, specific things like autism 
is now used in a much uh, broader sense. Um, and so, you know, as a teacher, I'll, I'll, this is some anecdotal evidence here for what we're talking about. Um, a person who is neurotypical could be transformed into a neurodivergent by something like trauma um, and the subsequent CPTSD or PTSD and anxiety and panic and depression and all that the follow trauma, they could shift. So it's not like you're just one thing, you're born that way and you spend your whole life that way. A neurotypical could be transformed into a person that is neurodivergent. So I'm a teacher and for the past really long time, few decades, few decades, um, you know, there was special education, mainstreaming accommodations for students with, you know, whose brains functioned differently. Advocacy for neurodiversity acceptance began with all this kind of stuff. But as society shifts, <laughs> shifts, it's, um, as it shifts its understanding of how the brain operates, the way that we treat those who are neuro neurodivergent will also change. It's, it is changing. It's evolving. We can continue to grow the way we interact with these individuals with unique needs and develop ways that work best for them to learn, function, and thrive in society. Clearly, it makes a huge difference whether that neurodivergent person is your child, your employee, your student, or your spouse. It can be a huge challenge to accept their limitations and abilities while managing your own expectations and healthy boundaries. Everyone involved can be fragile in these dynamics and must design ways to maintain their own well-being while at the same time considering the neurodivergent person and their life. Some conditions are certainly more amenable to management and positive outcomes than others. So it is important to have a clear picture regarding what you can and cannot expect from relationships with people who are neurodivergent. Once you are certain that you are dealing with a neurodivergent person, it requires some acceptance and some readjustment of the rules. What is reasonable for two neurotypical people may not be possible in a mixed relationship. And the nature of the relationship will dictate what can and cannot work. It's easier to create a set of non-negotiables in the workplace situation where expectations are clearly defined to protect everyone and maximize productivity and a safe workspace and all of that make everybody not feel threatened and feel safe and not violated. But if it's your child, it's a much more complicated issue. It's difficult to navigate that and the whole give and take and family member dynamics and know where to draw the lines and boundaries. Their version of reality may be compromised or convoluted so that agreement is difficult and conflict may be unavoidable. Not all conditions test reality but some neurodivergent brain impairments can certainly make it impossible to ever achieve consensus. It's a difficult thing. It may be best to acknowledge, to acknowledge what is in the way and like the obstacles 
and then avoid allowing situations to escalate. You can love people and not be able to share with them as neurotypicals would be comfortable doing. When you discover that your spouse has a brain disorder, now this is like a whole nother category aside from work and children. What if it's your spouse, your significant other? That can be a game changer. There are so many different ways the brain manifests irregularities that it's impossible to name which disorders forecast the certain failure of the marriage or union and which ones offer no threat whatsoever. This is where professionals come into the picture. They can sometimes offer a diagnosis and confirm whether the brain irregularities are impactful on emotional empathy, intimacy, guilt, and morality. For example, and this is my little niche area, people with NPD and ASPD, you know, narcissistic personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder, have a deficiency in areas of the brain, um, such as less gray matter in the left anterior insula, and thus have less genuine emotion. They are incapable of authentic bonding with their partner. Knowing this can prepare you for the inevitable outcome and help you accept their condition. And please, let me just put this little thing out there too. You know, people who have NPD and ASPD are many times, most of the times, very intelligent, very clever, very charismatic, very convincing. They love to play the victim. They love to play the white hat like they're the good guy and everybody else is, is, is not. And um, it's very convincing. I mean, why wouldn't you believe it? They, they're, they're like a consummate actor when it comes to playing this role uh, that it's always other people's fault and that they are the one that has suffered when in fact they are the cause of the suffering and, and the other person is the one that has a lot of times been taken advantage of or hurt in some way. So things that are not obvious to the, to the naked eye, things are not um, on the up and up. Things may not, you know, what do they say? Things uh, may not be what they seem. That is such good advice when you're dealing with people with personality disorders. Things are not what they seem. They really are not. And if you are sucked in and you're buying it, hook, line, and sinker, there's only going to be terrible things to follow. How humans perceive the world around them is, is a constant negotiation of boundaries and terms and where we're going to put each other on that. We must all find the place where we uh, fit the best and then we give others the space to find their place as well. If the neurodivergent individual suffers from a cluster B personality disorder, like what we just talked about, the best we can do is to keep our distance and protect ourselves from the unavoidable, unavoidable damage that they may cause, because that's always going to happen. Always, 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 no exception. Do not think your case is going to be the exception. It just doesn't work that way. I made that mistake. I thought, oh, no, it's different. It's so different. I love him and he loves me. No, that's just crazy talk. That's uh, delusional thinking. Um, 
going down the rabbit hole. So <clears throat> I like to think of the world as an enormous and vastly diverse jungle and ecosystem. Every creature, young and old, large or small, predator or prey, has its role and function to perform. Even the most fierce predator is necessary for balance in a system that depends on each living thing doing what its species is designed to do. Our task is to protect ourselves and those in our care. Survival is the name of the game. For all the neurodivergent and neurotypicals, for all of us, regardless of whatever label we affix to what, how we identify ourselves, doesn't matter. Um, our number one priority is to keep ourselves safe uh, so that we do not become the prey and have the predators feasting on us. And we also need to keep the ones safe that are in our care, which would be those around us, uh, whether that would be your children, your family, um, your students, your parishioners, your community, your whatever, you know, whatever it is, we do have responsibility to look out for danger and to steer folks away from it. When we see that there it is, there's the danger, that's a predator, you better run. So that's my message for today. Uh, I'm not going to uh, talk much more for a while longer. I'm still not feeling great. Let me tell you, this uh, Omicron is um, not mild. I was sicker for about four or five days than probably I have ever been in my whole life. Uh, maybe it's a close tie with this really awful flu that I had one time about, sheesh, I still remember that. That was close to 20 years ago. And, um, I got sick when I was at school and barely made it home because I was having such hard rigors and chills from high fever. I couldn't hardly drive, couldn't get myself home. But I, I do remember that that stands out as being some really horrible thing. Um, I had a pretty serious illness back in 2003. I had meningitis. Uh, but let me tell you, Omicron ranks right up there. Uh, in those top three most horrible illnesses of my whole life. And um, I'm surprised that here on day six that I'm even talking to you. Uh, my fever, today's the first day I've been without fever. Um, or at least it's just been down 99. Uh, I think it hit 100, like around six o'clock. But um, that's nothing compared to what it was for like those first four and a half, five days there. Whew. So day six on the mend, um, they say second week is kind of sketchy for, especially for people who have high risk factors and vulnerabilities like myself, day seven through 12 are pretty, um, uh, days that you need to watch. So, uh, be safe guys and, uh, watch out for those predators in the jungle. Watch out for the COVID germs trying to get on you and um, just be nice to each other. Try to keep each other safe and keep yourself safe. Okay. I'll be back soon. Hopefully my voice will be back um, soon. Also <laughs> much love. Bye.
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.